0: Get informed of that. By the way, if you would like to get our e-newsletter, you say, man, pastor and, and others, y'all keep referring to this e-newsletter, okay? What are you talking about? UBC updates come out every Wednesday, Thursday, okay? And uh, we bring those out and we communicate not only our heart, but uh, things that, that are going on in the church, um, exciting news. You can sign up for that. If you're a social media person, you can go on Facebook, there's a link there. Also on that QR code in front of you, or simply email your email to Travis at UBCNAC.org and we will get you there. There are so many ways and so many streams to get connected on that. So uh, let me encourage you to do that. Feels like a little bit of an infomercial already this morning, sorry about that. Uh, Turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. Chapter five, that's where we camped out last week and and really believe that the Lord uh, Jesus was uh, just speaking to us last week, uh, Holy Spirit speaking to us, as we looked at the final instructions from Paul for this church called Thessalonica, okay? Thus, the letter, the epistle to the Thessalonians. Let me remind you really quickly that Paul wrote these letters mainly in 50, 60, and 70 AD. Was anybody alive? I'm just checking, anybody? Okay, Isaiah, okay, no, okay. All right, 50, 60, 70 A.D., okay? Uh, that's not 1950, 60, or 70. That is uh, 70 A.D., um, and most of these letters were written during that time. Um, we believe the Gospel of Mark, just a little bit of Bible history here, uh, Bible, um, the first Gospel, Gospel of Mark, which we studied at this time last year, remember that? We believe around 50, 52 A.D., being the first Gospel of Jesus written down, Okay? And we believe that that was a lot of primary accounts from the Apostle Peter being a very primary source for who we believe to be John Mark. And he's got a whole history and character with him, but we don't have time to get into that. All that to say that it's amazing to see how the Word of God came together. We're going to be getting into that just a little bit more today. We're going to get into a little history, a uh, whole lot of application, and a whole lot of what it means for us as the body of believers and as this church family. Is everybody buckled in? Okay. All right. We're ready. All right. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12, let's again look at this context, uh, start at verse 12 from last week and We're going to then concentrate on the last half, but to get the context, these are the final instructions of the Apostle Paul in this letter to Thessalonica. Verse 12, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Verse 19, do not quench the Spirit. Literally, that means do not pour water on the flame of the Spirit. That's what the Greek means there, okay? And do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every, evil form, of, every form of evil. Now we're going to really concentrate on the closing here. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And we love you, Lord. We have poured our praise on you this morning. Hear the joyful sound of our offering as your saints bow down, as your people sing. Lord, let, let praises rise up as they have today and as they rise up across this globe in praise to the only one who is worthy. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. God, we give you praise today and we adore you. God, we have, we have sung about you and we have sung to you and we have sung to each other. And we have encouraged one another already this morning in the singing of your word, God, And now in the reading and the preaching and the teaching of your word, would you be honored? Would you be glorified? Holy Spirit, would you take over and would you infuse and direct my words today, O oh God? And God, would you give us ears to hear? Would you give us a heart willing to obey? Would you give us an empowerment by your spirit? For, for in part from you, we can do nothing. Oh God, that is our position today as we humbly come before your throne we ask you to teach us oh lord we pray in the mighty name of jesus and in your authority amen all right so paul has these final instructions and and he I'm not going to get into all those again, but just know that he gives us these final instructions, and they're great instructions as we begin a new year, and to know how to actually live out the Christ life. How do we walk according to the Spirit? You want to know how to do it? Look at verses 12 through 20. That's how we walk according to the Spirit. And they're not just a list of do's and don'ts. They appear that way on the surface, but if you go deeper, they're not just a way of do's and don'ts because look at verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, he is faithful, and he will surely do it. You know what that means? Everything that God is commanding us to do, like to be patient with others, to not repay evil for evil, but to do good, all of that is backstopped by the faithfulness of God. And if it wasn't, you couldn't do it. But because he's faithful, and that every promise that he has made is true, by the way, Paul says, every promise has has found its fulfillment in Jesus, right, and that every promise in him is yes and amen, and everybody said amen. All right, so everybody still with me? Okay, well, a few weeks ago, well, I hope my dad doesn't mind me sharing this. I didn't get his full permission, but he'll, it'll be okay. It'll be fine. <laughs> I was like, that's fine. Okay, uh, 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 he's had a couple of these episodes where he has tempor- temporary amnesia, okay, And it's a frightening thing, right? So you get this call from your mother or from your sister because mom can't get a hold of me. This is what you call sister, right? Sister lives two hours away. You get the call. You know, maybe you're out of service, then you get it, whatever. Anyway, I've had this happen now twice. um, To where uh, Pop, that's what we refer to him as, Dad, um, he he has woken up and he doesn't know where he's at. He kind of doesn't know. Maybe he knows where he's at, but he doesn't know what day it is. He doesn't know who the president is. He like it's one of those kind of little episodes. Well, it's called temporary or transient transient global amnesia. T G A for, for short there. And there's a number of reasons for that. And people, scientists and doctors still don't know the full reasons for that and all of that. You know, you can read the whole diagnosis and the whole all that thing. But but it's kind of scary because he'll wake up and he'll like, wait a second. Like literally, we had just celebrated my birthday the day before on the 29th, and it was Friday the 30th, and he couldn't, like, what's going on here, and, and just kind of, but then he eventually starts, it starts to come back, we have some, you know, some reminding moments, and then kind of the fog clears, and if anybody who's ever had this, or have a loved one go through this, you maybe you're quite well familiar with this, and then, you know, by the afternoon, dad's dad, like, and everything's fine, and it's like, it didn't happen, and, you know, He's mad at me because, you know, I take him to the doctor and, you know. Anyway, all those fun dynamics that happened after that, right? We just had some good bonding time on that Friday. It was great as we're just sitting there staring at each other waiting. Um, and so, but, but he got this temporary amnesia. And as I was thinking of that, as we start a new year, I think so many times in the church and in the body we get temporary amnesia. As followers of Jesus, we wake up some mornings and we forget who we are and whose we are. And the problem is this if you don't know who you are and whose you are it dictates your whole day and then it dictates your whole week and then it dictates your whole month and then it dictates your whole semester and then you get to May 2023 and you're looking back at and you're like wait a second why do I feel so distant from the Lord? Why does it feel like I'm praying and my prayers are just hitting, hitting the ceiling and bouncing back? What is going on? How do I feel so parched and so much in the desert place? What, what about being close to the Lord? Why do I not feel that? Well, let me tell you, it's because you have forgotten who you are and whose you are. And sadly, for the church of Jesus Christ for so long, our temporary amnesia hasn't been that temporary. It's been a long time. And this is why you have to ground yourself and hold fast to the word because this is immovable. This is unshakable. This does not change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13, seven. So if that's the case, then we, we cling ourselves, we hold ourselves to the one and two who is unchangeable. And there is my identity. Why is it so important? You say, why is it so important to get in the Word? Why is it, Pastor, you talked about journaling last week. Why is it so important to journal? Because it reminds us, it takes us on a journey with the Lord. And we can document where we've been, right? Did anybody ever use an atlas? I know those are things of the past, right? Those are relics, I get it. (laughs) Sam's like, I still got the big one, yeah, yeah. Some of you still have that one, right? When you set out on your road trip, right, you still want that Rand McNally. You want that big thing covering the hole, right? And you who are the navigators, <clears throat> maybe some of the wives, <clears throat> I don't know, you've got that whole thing spread out and you've got it marked exactly where you're going to go, right? Mm-hmm. That's how my grandmother was. Oh yeah, she had it highlighted. She had little bags for us as grandchildren and she had the path highlighted so we knew exactly where we were gonna go and everything. But it was really cool because we could look back while we were on the journey, we could look back and say, oh, yeah, we went through the Ozarks there, and we took this around there, and remember that? We took the rest stop there, and it kind of gave us this visual representation. That's what journaling is for y'all. That's what journaling is for me, right? I mean, I, 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 feel I started a new legal pad this, this, uh, this, this past week, like I got a, and it was so great. I was so excited because I get this, it's all blank. I get to fill up a whole legal pad. Let's see how long it takes for me to fill it up. And my staff can tell you, if you look at my legal pad, there is random doodles. There's prayers. There's to-dos. I mean, there it's it's kind of the whole, yeah, it's like if you want a picture of Travis Heyman, just look at my legal pad, right? Some of you know this because I've seen your desk, by the way. Yeah. It's just like notes, notes and stuff everywhere, right? But but what does that do? It gives us a journal when we journal, it gives us a great way to track where we have been with the Lord and where he's taking us. It's so good. It, 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 Essentially, that's what the psalmist is doing. He's pouring out his heart to the God in, in prayers. And I gave you a, a, kind of a simple acronym here. So you take a passage of Scripture. You know, there's these, these, these sections, you know, that are, are divided out. Usually they're 10 to 12. Pick a book, right? I, I recommend starting with the gospel, okay? You can, we did Mark last year uh, and went through this. Maybe this year you want to do Luke. Maybe this year you want to do Matthew, okay? Just take a section of it and just sit with an open journal which, by the way, Miss Cynthia handed me these this morning, and she did a beautiful job decorating, doing these and patterning these, and it has the words of the Lord on here. I kind of feel like we need to have a contest to give these away, right? Uh, <laughs> but they're beautiful. And, and, and in there, guess what you can do? You can write, and so you can write here. Write the date, write the scripture reference, and write here. H, and that's an acronym. H is for highlight. E is for Explain. A is for apply, R is for response. Okay, here, highlight, right? What, ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you bring a verse as I read this passage? Would you enlighten my mind to understand? Make it pop out to me, quicken a word for me that I can write that down that you have for me today. E, let me explain kind of what's happening. That's where a good study Bible comes in effect. This is the ESV, but you can get other study Bibles. It's pretty exhaustive, this one is. It's also very heavy. If you want to build your biceps, I recommend this one, okay? Um, A is for apply. Okay, how does this verse apply to me, right? Jesus did this or talked to this person 2,000 years ago, and he said, if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Well, what does that mean for me today? What, what, what in the world does that mean, right? Well, here's what I know. The Holy Spirit is going to bring that out He's going to help you understand it and apply it to your life today. That's A, apply. Then R is response. Okay, what is your personal response to the Lord based on what he has revealed to you through his written word today? What is your response? It could be a prayer. It could be, oh Lord, you know I do not like that person. You know that as I'm reading to to, to bless those who curse me. I I don't want to do that. They have hurt me, and I'm just so hurt. God, I don't want to, you know. And, and that's like I said, Psalmist David, he pours his hearts out in the Psalms. And you may, you may write your psalm out. You may write a psalm out. The, God, the Lord may bring that to you, but write that out. It may be an action, you know. Don't get afraid of the actions too, guys, right? A lot of times it's a lot easier to write it than to say, oh, I know the Lord's telling me I need to go talk to this person, right? So, that is what I encourage you to do every day here. I also wrote that in the e-newsletter. There's a little link there. You can click on that. It gives you a more fuller explanation. These also say Pray, Pursue, Practice, which is the purposes of our church. So these are really cool. Probably going to be first come, first serve after the service, all right? All right. So anyway, I'm excited about that. Thank you, Ms. Cynthia. That is, those are beautiful. Um, so as we approach today, I think it is so important uh, that we remember um, – who we are in Christ and whose we are. And I want to put this in framework. Uh, does everybody know the purposes of our church? You walk down the hallway and you get to see them. Three Ps, pray, pursue, practice. Let's say them together, pray, pursue, practice. Now let's go a little bit further. Pray purposefully, okay? This comes from Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, if you want the scriptural reference, Okay. This is what we laid out when we first got here. This is what we've said again and again, because what do we do? We get amnesia, right? Kind of forget who we are sometimes, right? So pray purposefully. That means we're to pray with an alert mind. That means we don't just say rote prayers. We pray what we pray with intentionality, with fervency and with frequency. Does that make sense? Okay, and that should be the heartbeat of everything that we do before worship, during worship, After worship, it should be integrated into family groups. It should be integrated into the times that we meet together, that we disciple one-on-one, that we reach out during the week with a text and say, hey, I really need you to pray for me. I really need healing of the Lord in this manner. That's what that is. That's praying purposefully. But secondly, and this is where we're really going to concentrate today, is on pursuing God's plan. That's the second piece. Second P is pursuing God's plan. Now that can sound generic y, right? Just pursue God's plan. Well, what is God's plan, right? So it begs to to ask and answer the question what is God's plan? Well, today I want to give you three things that I believe the Lord has shown us through his scripture, through his word about what it means. I'm going to tie this into the amnesia, and I'm going to let you know that the first thing, the first part of pursuing God's plan is identity. You can write that down. The first part of God's plan in pursuing him is knowing who he is and who we are in him. Knowing who he is Right to know Jesus and to know who we are in the family of Jesus. Does that make sense? And so our identity is where we start. Our identity is where we start. Now you say, well, how does this tie into Thessalonians? He he says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's saying that all these things that I have asked you to do, that I've instructed you on how to live the Christ life and walk according to the Spirit, you can do this because you are blameless in him. You say, I don't feel very blameless. Well, what we need to do is go to the fact of positionally who you are. Okay? Now look, Philip is Philip Haman, right? Isaiah is Isaiah Haman. Micah, David, Hannah, right? Haman, that's their identifier, right? And there is nothing that they can do to change that. That is how and who they are. That's their identity. And out of that identity, hopefully gives them a foundation as they live out their life. Now, identity is so important. Paul says throughout his letters, if you'll find over and over, he is reminding, because why? Because the early church even has amnesia then. They're even forgetting who they are, even after Paul preached the good news to them. He starts the church, then he goes and starts another church, he goes and starts another church, but guess what, he has to write a letter back to the first church so that they remember who they were, remember that? That's what. That's how we get these letters. The reason we get these letters, the reason we got the New Testament is because they were getting amnesia. They were forgetting like, well, a second now, I know he preached jesus, but but hold on a second, I remember that I, you know I grew up in this pagan culture and and do i still do I still worship Artemis right or you know at the, the pagan temple or should should I do both or you know and so they were getting this massive confusion right and then who is jesus really right well was he was he begotten of the father was 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 he conceived and, and he's lesser than than God the Father? you know all these questions started to to come up and to arise, and so paul says wait a second don't you remember the gospel i preached to you at the very beginning and he says just in case you don't know let me remind you who you are in christ church let me remind you who you are in christ if you have a brother or sister that is questioning their identity in the family of jesus can i encourage you to turn to ephesians 1 okay if you've got that hint let's all turn to ephesians 1 i was trying to be subtle not so subtle Ephesians 1. This is the great identity chapter. This, if you're saying, well, and I want you, as, as we go through it, you can write it down, underline it, circle it, how many times and how many different, different descriptors we have of who we are in Christ. Look at verse 3. We'll start there. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places Through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and under the earth. Do you see all the descriptors of who we are just in those four, five, six verses? In case you didn't, let me highlight them. We are saints who have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We are chosen, we are holy, we are blameless, we are adopted, we are beloved. And that's just the first six verses. Then we go on to the verse seven. We are redeemed, forgiven, receivers of lavish grace and a glorious inheritance, and we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. That is your identity. You say, well, I'm a Baptist. No, 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 you're not. You are an adopted, beloved, chosen one of God. Don't go with the human identifier. Go with the biblical identifier. When you meet somebody, you don't go up and, well, I don't encourage you, don't, you don't go up and say, well, I'm Church of Christ, I'm Baptist, I'm Catholic. I'm..." De-. No, 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 no. I am a blood-bought saint who has been forgiven and redeemed, period. So where can we come together? Because Jesus in John 17 says, oh God, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one. You don't get more unified than the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You and I can never get more unified. As much as we love each other, we will never be able to get as unified as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But he prays for us to be that. How do you think we've done with that in the last 2,000 years? What do you think our grade kind of scorecard would be? Ouch. Did you know that for the first thousand years, because here's, listen, I'm talking about personal identity, but that ties into identity in the family of Jesus. So we're talking about personal identity in the Lord and corporate familial identity in the Lord. Do you know for the first thousand years the church was united? Do you know that? For the first thousand years, the church was totally united. It wasn't until the East and West Schism that happened in 10-something that we had the first break. And then once the dam broke, you know what happened after that? I mean, it just flowed, right? Then, then Martin Luther, 95 thesis, nailing them in the, the Protestant and the And I'm not knocking any of that stuff. I'm just giving you facts of history and church history. And today where we have 31,000 flavors of everything, right? I mean, it's just like, it's like, I got, I'm, I'm BMA, I'm SBC, I'm BGCT, I'm SBTC, I'm b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b. i am bma i am sbc i am bgct i am sbtc i am I mean, I can't even say them all, right? I, I mean, we got every alphabet. We got them all. Now, do you see that in Ephesians 1? Anywhere? No. Would you jump down to verses 20, uh, to verse uh, 20, 19 and 20 of that chapter? I gotta go to 18. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you that are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward those who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places which is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the age of to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him, that is Jesus, as head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So we know who we are individually. We are chosen, beloved, adopted, extraordinarily forgiven, but who are we in the body of Christ? We are the body of Christ. That's who we are as the family. And who is the head? Christ. So now you see the positions. Now you see the identity we derive our identity, our identity is from Jesus. The Apostle Paul in Colossians 3 said, my life is hidden with Christ and God. You know what that means? You ever played the shadow game when you were a kid? You were in the shadows, right? And somebody big in front of you or your dad, right? Okay, and you would try to hop in the shadows because, and try to chase the shadows. Anybody? Was I the only weird seven-year-old? I figured that, yeah. I got it. Yeah. So, you know, when you're bored, you chase the shadows. And so that's what I did. I would just try to chase the shadows of, you know, somebody bigger, right? What Apostle Paul is saying, at the moment that you believe and place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you no longer have your own identity. You no longer, it's not your kingdom. It's now his kingdom. And so now you are in the shadows of your father. Now, when someone looks at you, you they see the Father, they see Jesus, right? He who knew no sin became sin that you might become the righteousness of God. So positionally, now what they see and who they see is Jesus. They see that you're a part of the family of Jesus and you represent Him. That makes sense? That's what Apostle Paul says. He says, You have been crucified. Like your identity, who you are. My ambitions, you know, I'm going, go, I'm going to go to college and then I'm going to go to medical school and then I'm going to make a six-figure job by the time I'm 30. I'm going to have two houses. I'm going to have five trucks. I'm going to have all these things, my like 401k, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to retire at 50 years of age and I'm going to go set sail and I'm going to go golf for 20 years. No. No. The Apostle Paul says that you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Colossians three, in Galatians two twenty, right? I've been crucified with Christ; I no longer live. So Paul is saying that in order for you to understand who you are and whose you are, you need to understand that you must die to self, and you need to understand that you have this extraordinary redemption, and forgiveness, and adoption in glorious inheritance, in position, in him. But but the struggle is this, and this goes to the the next point, and we'll get there in just a minute, because I like to get ahead of myself sometimes, right? So hold on. Let's go back to our personal identity and our corporate identity. Personal identity, we know who we are. Ephesians 1 is one of those primary chapters, and you heard me say, we must and need to be known as the family of Jesus, first and foremost, right? Not by earthly identifiers. You see, humans are really good at putting identifiers on ourselves, aren't we? I'm a Calvinist. Nothing wrong with Calvinist, okay? All right. Well, I'm 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 I'm, I'm Reformed. Well, I'm not Reformed, right? I mean, there's all these different labels that we love to to categorize because we're human. So we must categorize. But we need to be identified solely that we belong to the one true church, which is Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? That's what Apostle Paul is saying here. He's the head over all things, and he, we are his body, the fullness. It's The fullness of him who fills all in all. So our true identity as believers is as the body We don't need to have an amnesia problem regarding this, but so many times we do. And I believe the reason that we get something, the amnesia problem is because human identifiers have crept in to what this this is right here. And we've added two. Anybody ever heard of the Apostles' Creed? Ever heard of that? I believe in God the Father, Almighty Maker of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, our Lord. We have it up there? I us going to put that up there. I think we do. So, just a little history on the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed, now it's named that because some think that the Apostles kind of solidified and came up with this as, as a way for the early church to state their beliefs and identify who they are and what they believe. Did you know that this was written down before the canonization of the Word? We didn't get the canonization, I believe, until 360 A.D. We believe the earliest copies that we have of the Apostles' Creed is early 300s. So, and then we have Council of Nicaea in that same century as well. And you know the song that we just sang, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty? If you look, it says that the tune is called Nicaea. The reason the tune is named Nicaea is because it came out of that council, which was the gathering together of of, of the priest, together, together, and the theologians to say, let's solidify. And that's where we got the concept of the solidification of the Trinity really being nailed down. Council of Nicaea, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, right? God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Council of Nicaea, same century but we actually have the Apostles' Creed which predates the Council of Nicaea and the canonization, which I believe is 360 of Scripture. So this is greatly important. And do you know that for centuries, the early church and the church, our, our, our ancestors quoted this. And do you know why they quoted it? Well, first of all, not everybody could read and write, could they? But they could recite, yes. So they were teaching theology. They were teaching who we are in Christ, identity. That's who they were teaching. And so they were teaching this, and and, and I believe in God the Father. Here it is, the Almighty Maker of heaven, the creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. We can get into that later. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church. We can get into that too later. I'll give you a scripture on that. And the communion of saints, the forgiveness of, the sins, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. That's what we would call, my friends, close fisted issues. Agreed? Those would be close fisted issues. That these, this is what we believe. This is who Jesus is. This is who God the Father, Holy Spirit, right? This is who they are. This is who we are. That is a unifier. We call this a creed. It's a series of statements based on what we believe to be true, based on the word of God. Everybody with me on that? Okay. By the way, Rich Mullins wrote a song. If you want to put it to music, that's how I first memorized it. He wrote a song in the 90s. I think it has the Apostles' Creed embedded in it. And, you know, a musical, it, it clicked, right? Okay, a couple words may be off in his version because he had to lyricize it. Anyway. But I, I believe these things. So this, this was recited by our church forefathers. This was put, and, and, and this was foundational. It was the bedrock right there to say, hey, you know what? This is what we believe. And so I think it's so important, um, by the way, the Holy Catholic Church means the Holy Universal United Church together. Do you believe God's desire is that the church would be united? I mean, let's ask, uh, can we just state the obvious, right? Yeah, Absolutely. And so this wasn't controversial to say in 320 AD, probably 520 AD. This wasn't controversial to say these things, right? I hope it's not even controversial today. I hope that we can, can, and again, I know there's like probably two things in here that, you know, we can go more into. I just don't have time today. He descended into hell. That's based on 2 Peter 3. There's some scripture references for that, Ephesians 4. <laughs> and so, I don't have time to get into those, but we, we, we will and we can, uh, just not today but I just want you to see how this was an identifier for centuries of the early church to identify and center on Jesus and what we believe, amen? Okay, and so all of that to understand that identity has to be the bedrock. If we don't get who we are, what we believe, then, then we can easily be, swayed. Can we not? Right? I mean, we can be like that ship, just tossed to and fro. If we don't have the bedrock and the foundation, this is why um, your staff, uh, we're looking at going through and offering what is called core classes, okay? And these are going to be a, a set of, of four-week classes, um, and we'll be publicizing these that, that take you on a journey through what we believe, through identity, through surrender, through service, through what these things are and why they're so important in the life of the believer. Do you want to be closer to Jesus at the end of 2023 than you were at the beginning? Could that not be all of our prayer? Then that's our great desire, and that's what we want to do. So we want to help facilitate that as a church. So that's something that we are going to be Um, publicizing and letting you know when that's going to happen, because we're going to have these in like four-week chunks, kind of four-week series, okay, Um, offered uh, maybe on a Sunday morning, maybe on a Wednesday night. We're still looking at those things, Um, and so we're excited about that uh, in this new year. Another thing um, that we're going to be doing uh, when it comes to identity, uh, the staff and the elders are proposing a name change um, based on what I basically was just talking about, was the fact that Uh, to be known as University Church. You say, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Well, let me explain that. Just as I just explained, we want our identifier to be based on Jesus Christ, okay? And we want people to dig into what we believe. We don't want them to dismiss us or to not even come based on a human label. We want them to come and hear the gospel and understand. But sometimes they will not do that based upon a label. That's the bottom line. Which, by the way, is a human label. Okay. I grew up SBC. I grew up with all the acronyms. Okay, so I'm I'm not. <laughs> it's not like I'm. I'm and, and we're not disassociating. But but in order that 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 people could not have a barrier, but to not dismiss, but to come in and truly. Dig in through the teaching of the word, through what we believe and understand who we are as the church of Jesus, the family of God. Amen. Amen. And so, I, I just wanted to to encourage you with that and explain that that that's part of our corporate identity and our personal identity. So, I, I hope that you understand the tie in um, with that. We are the family of Jesus first and foremost. But identity is so important. But you know what comes after identity? Surrender. This is where the rubber meets the road for all of us, isn't it? So surrender is such a big deal. This is where what we know about the Lord and who we are in in Him moves us to loosen our grip on our own kingdom and seek to extend His. If you look at at Jesus in the Gospels, every time that he proclaims the truth, he is calling people. What does he say? He says, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. There is a requirement. If you want to follow Jesus, there's a requirement of surrender. Hear me. Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You will either hate the one and love the other. You cannot. Your heart cannot be divided. So, if we have proper identity based on the word of God, who we are in his kingdom, we will then naturally sing a song like, I surrender all, all to Jesus, I surrender, I, all to thee, my blessed savior. It's not radical, it becomes normal. Do y'all remember, and I love this when Jesus says, hey, the kingdom of God is like this. Remember how he gives these parables in Matthew? And he says, the kingdom of God is like this. He says, the kingdom of God is like the guy who goes and he's in a field and he finds a treasure. And he wants that treasure so much that he goes and he sells all that he has so he can buy the field and have the treasure. Remember this? Jesus says, that's what the kingdom of God's like. Interpretation, that's what it's like when you realize who I am. When you realize how great I am and how good I am and and how I have forgiven you, it's nothing for you to go sell all you have, buy the field, and have me. Does that make sense? Surrender. Surrender. Remember, Jesus is wanting and desiring us to follow him, but it cannot be a split kingdom. Look, there's only going to be one person in charge and on the throne of your heart and in your life, and that has to be the Lord Jesus. I remember Michael, uh, who leads our Michael and Anne lead our children's ministry, and and by the way, this is what you want of somebody, a testimony of somebody that you want leading your young men and women. Listen to this: when he was uh, at the camp service that Dennis was leading last, I don't know if you remember, but he made some profound statements. Here's what he said. As I, was, as I was preparing the message on surrender and identity and surrender, here's what he said. Now, Michael, Michael will tell you his kind of full story, but he didn't grow up in a home that taught, taught you to love Jesus and, and positioned you for a place to love Jesus at all, okay? Um, he, but here's what he said. He said, after I met this man and I realized what he had done for me, I knew I would do anything for him and I would give up everything for him. That stuck with me, guys. That's surrender. He realized who he was, who Jesus was, who he was in him, and he said, I'll give up everything for him. That's what it looks like. How do we encourage this as a church? Well, this is, this, is through, this is through discipleship. So this is where, you know, um, I'm, taking a, 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 I'm taking a group of guys and I've taken a group of guys before and I'm gonna take some more guys and we're gonna do discipleship. This is where we teach surrender, but we ultimately teach you who you are in Jesus and then surrender is the natural outflow of that. Does that make sense? And, and so that's what we as a staff are gonna endeavor to do, but that's what we as a church body must do. We must teach identity, then surrender. And then lastly, and I know we've gone long today, but I knew I had, oh, Lord, I knew I had a lot today. I saw I was praying, Lord, would you give me grace in this? Lastly, what, so then what comes next? Identity, surrender. Then what's the natural thing? Service. Service. Now, here's the problem. In church, for years, we've said, oh, would you please do this? Would you please serve here? We've got five positions we've got to fill today. We gotta have some people at the front. We gotta have offering takers. We've gotta have door greeters. We gotta have baby holders. We gotta have we gotta have all these things. And hold on a second. We don't even know if these people are surrendered. See, surrender precedes commitment. The reason we don't have committed church is because we don't have surrender. Then then we back it up. Is the reason we don't have surrender because people don't truly know who they are in Jesus? I don't know. You can answer that for you personally. I think it goes back to that. (laughs) When, when, When you realize the treasure that he is, it is nothing for you to give up your kingdom. It's a privilege. It's an honor. And then it's not about me not about what I want not even about how I get fed it's about serving the king in his kingdom and let me tell you that's as freeing as it gets it's as fulfilled as it gets service is the natural outflow of the surrender life do you want a good example, a biblical example of this? go to Luke 5 stay with me, we're almost done Luke 5, let me just summarize it for you. You can turn there if you'd like. But basically, it's the call of Peter. Peter's just a fisherman. They're out fishing all night. Jesus comes and says, hey, have you caught anything? He says, no, we haven't caught a thing. Peter's an expert fisherman, by the way, fishing at night. It's supposed to be a prime time for them. He says, we have, master, we have toiled all night. Now, what does he call him? He addresses him as what? Master. Take note of that. Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing but at your word, we'll do it. Now, did he want to do it? Okay? Was he surrendered at this point? Eh. Probably not. He's doing it because rabbi says, do it. Okay? But he doesn't have a full understanding of who Jesus is at this point, indicated by what he labeled him, what he called him, Master, right? But we'll do it. We'll let down the nets. So they do it, and you know what happens, right? Bursting with nets, busting with nets. I'd be mean, just like so. Then James and John, and they have to come over and bring the other boats over because their boats about to capsize. And then what is what is Peter's response to Jesus? He falls to his knees in the middle of stinky fish. And he says, get away from me, Lord, for I am a sinner. And basically, I don't, I, I, I can't be in your presence because I now realize he's got a greater realization of who he is. I now realize he's no longer ma- just master, he's Lord. Isn't that beautiful? And what does Jesus say? That's good. Now, you go to Bible study class for six weeks, Peter. All right? All right? Now, you read this syllabus, and you take five years, and then we'll put you into service. Is, is that what? No. From now on, you're, you've been fishing for stinky fish. From now on, you will catch men. From now on, you will extend my kingdom, for I have called you. You see it? Identity was changed. He realized who Jesus really was. When that happened, surrender. He bowed the knee. He said, "Get away! I'm I'm a a sinner. I understand. It's not about me. And then Jesus said, okay, well, guess what? I'm now calling you. Now that you have this greater realization of who I am, that you realize that I am king, that you realize that I am Lord of all, guess what? I'm now going to call you out into service for my kingdom. He wasn't surrendered to that point. He didn't realize who Jesus was fully until this episode. you got all three, identity, surrender, and service, all at Luke 5, at the calling of Peter. At best, your commitment to serve will be sporadic without a solid foundation of identity and understanding of surrender. Say, Pastor, you've been hard today. (laughs) The Word of God's hard. Jesus, His words are hard, but they're sweet and good. So, our third P is practicing grace. This is where service really comes in. We practice grace with one another and to our community through serving so where are you at where are you at January 8, 2023 on these three things it, do, do, you, do you have a solid foundation to really know who you are in Christ are you saying man, I, I want to I know and I want to learn more which we can always do and always should do, right? Or maybe maybe it's like, maybe the cog is surrender. Maybe you've got all the head knowledge, but when it comes to surrender and prying your hands loose of your kingdom, it is incredibly difficult. Maybe it's, yeah, I'm even to the surrender point, but, you know, I just need to get in the game because just like Peter was called to catch fishers of men, catch men and women then so am I supposed to also go out and extend his kingdom so you say well you titled the state of the church what's the state of the church that's the question we have to answer where are we in pursuing God's plan when it comes to these three things where are you in that where am I in that the answer to that will be the state of the church let's pray Father God Jesus we love you and God we just want to respond to you today God I pray that pray that you have used your servant today to speak your truth. God, we want to respond with surrender because really the surrendered life is the abundant life. So Holy Spirit, would you do your work in and through us today? Would you press where you need to press? Would you bring comfort where you need to bring comfort? Challenge where there needs to be challenge. Not because Travis spoke well or not because Travis waved his hands and elevated his voice, but because the Holy Spirit speaks to his children. We just want to respond to you in obedience today. And we just want to say that we love you. And as we respond in, in song today, as we respond in posture today, as we respond in prayer, maybe it's that we need to ask others and brothers and sisters to intercede for us. I know that our staff is going to be available. Our elders are going to be available. We love, we love you and we love Jesus. And we want all of us to be closer to him, closer to his heart. We want all of us to be at that point of the surrendered life, in service of the king. Whatever you want, Jesus. Wherever you lead, we will go. We follow you. Have your will and way. In Jesus' name.